Earlier this week, our website underwent a DDoS attack. In this episode of the IT Pro TV podcast, we're going to break it down for you, show you how we got through it, and some steps you can take to make sure the same thing doesn't happen to you. Right now on the IT Pro TV podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the IT Pro TV podcast. I'm your host, Peter Van Rysdam, joined today by Mr. Don Bazette. And today we're talking about something that, that happened to us here at our office. And we, we're always looking for those teachable moments, something that happens that we say, well, that'd be a cool thing to show our viewers uh, how we dealt with that. And we had a really interesting one this last week. Uh, we were attacked. Uh, hackers tried to get in, and uh, and we had a lot of work to do to make sure that they stayed out. And, uh, well, let me just go ahead and bring in Don. Uh, Don? You've you've had a busy week, first of all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The you know the the short and sweet of it is that over the weekend we had a distributed denial of service attack that was pointed at our site, right? And this is this is really becoming a commonplace occurrence on the internet. And uh, there's there's various motivations and reasons why people might do this stuff. But when you're on the receiving end of it, normally that doesn't matter, right? You just want to get out from under it. So uh, fortunately, we had the we had the tools and the, the technology in place to be able to deal with it and, and get past it. But uh, you know, one of the things that I kept hearing is, as I was doing my reports on, on what was going on uh, is like, you know, Tim, my, my business partner, he, he kept saying, man, I bet the, the viewers would really love to hear about this or, you know, just people in general. And you uh, kept saying, not now, Tim, yeah, I'm working on busy. this. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, let, let's start back at, at the beginning just to make sure everyone understands what a DDoS attack is. So can you kind of walk us through just basically what that means? Sure. So, you know, in, in the olden days, you used to be able to bring down a website by doing what was called the denial of service attack. You could take one computer and you could send some kind of malicious traffic, right? Like a, a malformed ping request or, or, you know, various finger commands and things like that. Uh, and you could make a server become so busy that it couldn't respond. Well, those don't really work anymore because companies don't have one server. We certainly don't, right? Companies will have hundreds or even thousands of servers that auto scale to meet demand. So if one machine tries to blast you, you just spin up more and more servers and, and it can't be done. So now we have distributed denial of service attacks where people will compromise thousands, tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of machines and have them all point at one target. Now they can really do some damage. And there have some been, been some like highly visible DDoS attacks in recent times. I know every Christmas, the Xbox Live Network, the PlayStation Live Network, or PlayStation Now, whatever it's called, uh, the uh, Steam game networks, they're all taken down every Christmas by distributed denial of service attacks. Uh, other companies, other websites have had this happen. I know Steve Gibson with um, uh, Security Now. I know that uh, uh, Brian Krebs, his website, several, several security researchers have all been targeted. And now it was just our turn. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's a, that's a big honor. Uh, it's an honor to be nominated <laughs> and know that, that we've made it. And, and really, I'd put us on par with the rest of those uh, that you mentioned. So that's, <laughs> that's flattering. So thank you uh, for that. But so let's go back to, to, first of all, how this was discovered. And I think what's interesting to note is you mentioned it happened on the weekend. And, and that's not a coincidence. That's, that's kind of when you said the hackers know that uh, we're maybe not paying attention. We don't have as much staff here in the office. So uh, starting it on the weekend is, is kind of a common thing that we might see. Yeah, and, and in our case, that was absolutely true, right? We, we take the weekend off. <laughs> our, our, our style of business, right, because, you know, we, we do online training, uh, is that our website runs 24 hours a day, but we as a business don't necessarily have to. The website can run itself. So, so they target us on the weekend, but we, 
we aren't like we don't ignore our customers on the weekend. We have customer support that runs 24 hours a day. And in this case, we started getting tickets, right? So customers are reporting in saying, hey, I can't sign in. I can get to the website, but I can't log in. And so we, we escalated that to our development team. Because the, the first assumption was not that we were under attack, but that, you know, hey, something's gone wrong <laughs> on the yeah. website. Let's get the developers the code to look issue at it. Or, yeah. and, 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 you know, maybe, maybe that's what it is, right? And, and so you get them to take a look at it. Uh, so the dev team went in, and they pulled up the, the traffic information on our API. And, and let, me, let me show you what that kind of looks like. Um, so here's what it looked like on Saturday. And what this is, this is not showing our, our website because our website never actually went down during this whole, the whole story I'm about to give you guys. Keep in mind that the iTrue website never went down, but there was a period of time where you couldn't log in. And that means that for whatever reason, our backend database was not reachable. And here you can see why. So we've got a normal day kind of cruising along here, no big deal. And then all of a sudden, this was about, um, I don't know, I think it was about 6 p.m. on Saturday that we got walloped, right? And our response time went up to 14,000 milliseconds, right? Or, or uh, what is that, 1.4 seconds. Uh, or no, it's 14 seconds, 14, right? Yeah. Uh, bad, bad math there. Uh, which 14 seconds is long enough for anything to time out. Actually, you know, 1.4 seconds is almost long enough for things to time out. Uh, so that's when we started having our denial of service, that if you tried to log in, sure, you could you could get to our website, right, which is, is fine. But when you go to actually log in, that's where it had to reach out to our database, and that's what was getting overwhelmed. So uh, so effectively, the, the DDoS attack worked, right? If you were a paid subscriber, you were now denied access to the, the videos that you paid for. Right? And and it wasn't affecting everybody, that some users would go and, and they could log in because they caught it at just the right time, or, or their login request just happened to be processed underneath the whole deluge of traffic that was going on. So this was our initial clue that, that something was wrong. And at this point, that's when the dev team reached out to, to me and, and the rest of the tech team saying, can you take a look at this? This is really unusual. We're getting a huge amount of login traffic. Something's going on, right? Yeah, did we run a great ad that everyone just wants to, uh, <laughs> to get to our site right now? Because you know, that's great news. I, that happens. It does. You know, maybe, maybe you're having a Black Friday sale or uh, you have a video that goes viral. I, I've heard about a lot of and all of a sudden, they're excited for their most important sales day, and, and everything goes down because yeah. they're not prepared to handle that on the server side. So, uh, But this was obviously not something that, that we were prepared for because we were not – well, we were prepared, prepared for it, but we were not expecting it. Right. It, we definitely wasn't expecting it. You know, this particular type of attack was not what we expected. Uh, to have somebody flood your website with traffic, that that's expected, right? And our web servers do scale out. Uh, but to flood us with login traffic the way that this attack did was not something that we expected. So uh, so our site wasn't healthy, right? We, we actually did take a hit. And, uh, you know, so when I started researching, I had to find out why and then formulate a solution around it, right? And so uh, the first thing I did is I wanted to see what traffic was there. Now, we use a web application firewall. And if you're not familiar with those, uh, the one we use is from a company called Securi. Uh, and here's basically uh, the Securi's website. It's S-U-C-U-R-I.net, Securi.net. Uh, and they have a web application firewall. It is uh, you know, very, very reasonably priced and, and a great product. Um, we don't use them exclusively because they focus a lot on WordPress, and we don't run WordPress. But uh, we use them as kind of a middleman between us and the Internet because they give us certain tools to be able to protect from situations exactly like this, right? They look for well-known attacks and stop them before they ever actually get to us, 
right? So here's the internet traffic coming in. It goes through all their filtering, and then it makes it to us. So that's a great place for me to look and to be able to see the traffic that's out there. And so when I looked, this is what I saw, right? I saw that we were receiving connections from all over the world. Now, I would love to say that IT Pro TV is so big that people use us in every single country. And we do have, I think it's like 30% of our subscribers are international. But looking at this map, there are tons of connections from South America, from Africa, from areas of Asia, where English is not a first language. And our product is an English product. Uh, you know, so we do have some people in South America and some people in Asia who use our service. But because we're English speakers, this is a pretty, pretty good example right here that, that we can spot and say, wait a minute, some of this traffic is not what we should be receiving, and now we need to find out you know, what, what it is. And, an, and another indication um, that, that we were discussing uh, before the show is that, that there are places where people should be asleep <laughs> at, at these, this time of day, and it's, That's it's not consistent with our normal traffic patterns. You shouldn't see green across the entire globe. Oh, yeah. You should yeah. see spots where, where people are on and, and people are off. At, at the time of this attack, it would have been the middle of the night in Asia and Europe. Right, it was, the, it was the evening for us, right? Mm -hmm. So Europe, it was definitely middle of the night. I guess Asia, maybe, maybe it was in coming the morning. On, yeah. But it was definitely unusual for that many viewers. <laughs> yeah. Who's watching IT training at 3 a.m.? Um, you know, no, no offense if you're watching this at 3 a.m. <laughs> <Yeah>. Thank you. <laughs> so, Welcome. so that was a, a good indicator of, of a problem, right? So that's when I had to start looking at the traffic. So I, I knew we were getting a lot of traffic. So I said, let's let's actually take a look at some of it. And so I started to harvest some traffic. And I'll, I'll bring some of it up here. Uh, we'll try and bring, there we go. Uh, and so here's a, like a CSV, actually, let me get, yeah, this one. Uh, here's a CSV of the initial output. So when I had that screen that had all those little green arrows, here's some of the traffic, an actual capture of the traffic. And as you look at it, uh, what I'm seeing here is the, the IP address on the left, what they were doing is in the second column and then their browser agent in the third column, right? It, when somebody connects, the firewall gathers all sorts of data about them, but this is really the relevant data right here, okay? First thing is the IP address, right? So these are people connecting. I see a lot of different IPs, which is what we expect when it's across the world, but I'm gonna sort this data, uh, or I'm gonna try to, let me sort it ascending, there we go. Uh, so that the IPs get kind of connected. Now, what I can see is like this IP right here that ends in 188, if I look, it's got, I mean, how many, it's 21 rows, 21 connections to the login page, right? 21 attempts to go to the login page. Now that is persistence. If I try and log in on a site and my password fails, I might try again, I might try a third time. I don't try 21 times, right? So that, that's not human behavior or uh, maybe that's like really stubborn human, but <laughs> I've got IP after IP doing that same thing. And granted, there's a lot of stubborn people out there, but there's not that many stubborn people. Now, the other weird thing, though, is if you look at the browser agent, right? I've got Mozilla 5.0, Mozilla 4.0. Uh, if you keep looking, there's Opera 9.8. And, you know, I, I love Opera, but not many people use it. But if I look through these IP blocks, every one of them is cycling through those browser agents. Now, if I can't log in in one browser, maybe I tried Chrome, so then I try IE. Or then I try Opera. I might do that. I'm an IT guy, right? But most people don't. Most people might only try two browsers, but to have every one of these people trying six or seven different browsers, that's just not realistic, right? So that, those are all great indicators right there that this is attack traffic. So I was able to identify that pretty quick. The other thing, the other giveaway here is see how these are all posts? They're sending data to the login page. 
There's never a get. When you go to a web page, you send an HTTP get request. You say, give me a copy of the login page so I can see it. And then you type in your username and password, and then you post your answer, right? These guys never did that. They never asked for a copy of the login page. They just sent login information. And that, again, non-human behavior. That's not what people do. So these were all the red flags that let us know. So when, when somebody asked me, like, how do you actually know it was a denial of service attack? Because we were getting um, what's technically called crap data. <laughs> that's, a, that's an industry term? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I'm Got pointing it. that one right now. So you know, we were getting a bunch of data that is just not valid by, by any means. Okay. Now, initially, this was only coming from a handful of IPs. And so I started kind of blacklisting them just you know, by hand. Right? There were maybe 50 of them. And so it was easy enough for me to jump through and, and blacklist them. And the attack subsided for a little while. All right. Well, that didn't last very long that the attackers now knew, here's a login page, I can target it, and now let's like ramp up the attack. So this was all just the first stage here as I identified that we were actually being attacked. Okay. And uh, so, so the goal of an attack like this, this is not something um, where they're trying to test credit cards or things like that, because that would be humans going in maybe, and, and you'd see different kind of data like that. So, so now we're aware of what kind of attack it is, and kind of typical with these DDoS kind of attacks, it's not necessarily people that are, are using their computer maliciously. They might have some malware or something on their computer that's taken it over and is, sure. is doing that for them. So, uh, you know, a couple of things happened here. Uh, normally, when you get a distributed denial of service attack like this, it's accompanied with a ransom note, right? Uh, they send you a, a demand somehow, like, hey, uh, pay us 12 bitcoins or your site stays off forever. And, you know, something like that. We never got a ransom. No, nobody ever contacted us and said, hey, uh, if you want your site back, if you ever want to see your site alive, right, it's like Mel yeah. Gibson, uh, <laughs> and it just never happened. Um, so I looked a little more closely at the data because I wanted to find out what the motivation was. And I captured some of the packets and looked inside, and what they were doing is they were sending usernames and passwords. Well, that was really interesting because that, you know, that, that makes you think, like, oh, shoot, did, did we get hacked? Has our database been compromised or whatever? So I started comparing the usernames against our database and the users didn't exist. So the, 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 they weren't IT Pro TV users. They were, they were email addresses and they were passwords that were probably valid somewhere, just not on our site. And they were failing one after the other. All those failures, the, the 14,000 some odd critical failures you saw in the API, all of those are, are failures that were just usernames and passwords that didn't match uh, and didn't even match up with our user base. So what was going on is uh, what's called a password validation attack. And that's where you can go on the dark web, uh, you know, the, the dark web, which is Tor, right? So you go on Tor or wherever, and you can download these databases for free. They're all over the place. Uh, like when you go to a site, um, Have I Been Pwned? Like when you go to that site and you look for your email address, they're just looking up against these databases. And, and so they're, they're out there. Uh, somebody had one of the databases, and they were just trying to test to see whether a username or a password was valid. And they were throwing it against our site. Now, our site normally says, hey, if you get your password wrong a few times in a row, it stops you. It puts in a delay. But here it was a distributed attack. So it was thousands of different IPs that were all coming in and just doing one request. So it, was, it wasn't something that we could kind of throttle or, or, or block back. A, a typical brute force protection wasn't working in this scenario. And they were just churning through the database. I sat there and watched it go alphabetical as it went uh, uh, you know, A through B through C through D, just kind of moving through each one as it was testing these out. And th there were no successes. And so the, you know, we, we sent out a communication to our users at this point telling what was going on. And I, I made the comment that either 
uh, either they bought a bad database or the users in the database just weren't our demographic. You know, our, our demographic <laughs> are IT people, and maybe their database was painters, you know, <laughs> or sure. something. Yeah. Now, sooner or later, they might have found a, a match, right, an IT person that is a painter, <laughs> but but it hadn't happened yet. So, And, and what would have been the goal in, in that situation? Let, so let's, I mean, we're, we're assuming um, what these, uh, you know, malicious mm -hmm. uh, hackers were doing, but if, if they had gotten, gotten in... Uh, then they would have been looking for data? Is that maybe, you know, in in our case, if you were to like let's say one of our user accounts got compromised, what, mm -hmm. what could they get? They could get your your name, uh, which they've already got, you know, because of the compromised mm -hmm. database. They could get your address, which they, they probably already have, but you know, it, it would it's be probably here. on that database uh, they had. Yeah. Or or in the phone book. You know, addresses aren't secret. Yeah. Uh, but but they get the address. Uh, they could get the last four of a credit card. Right, we don't store a full credit card numbers. Mm -hmm. There's no way to retrieve that, but the last four, right, uh, last four digits. So, what could you do with that? Well, you could maybe call Apple and pretend you're that person, and they ask you to verify. Can you give me the last four digits of your credit card? So that's not something you want to ask. Maybe they sure. get that, but more realistically, they just were taking advantage of this fact that our our site was letting them test, and then once they got a win, they can then go to other sites and know that that was a valid username and password combo because. People do password reuse, right? People use one password on more than one site. It's a terrible habit, but a lot of people do it. So they were looking to validate that. that that's most likely the scenario. There's a few more nefarious, more paranoid type uh, uh, possible motives here, but that's most likely what was going on here. The reality is we'll never know unless they give us a phone call and tell us. Sure. Uh, but, but So, you know, so in the like absence of, of a ransom note, what's the process here? I mean, I know we didn't just sit back and say, let's wait until this stops. Yep. And, and as you said, it... It stopped for a while when you were able to blacklist sure. some, but it, it went ahead and kicked back up. So what'd you do? So we uh, we went with a two-prong attack on this one, right? So on one hand, I started to work to put in blocks, right, to, to block these guys from being able to access the site. Uh, and, and like I said, it was a small amount of IPs in the beginning, so I was just blocking the IP ranges. Meanwhile, the dev team was scaling up our servers. So they increased the capacity of our, our database and API servers by tenfold. So, you know, really just way ramped it up so that even though we were being DDoS, we could actually handle the load. Well, that ended up to kind of bite us in the butt a little bit on this one because um, as soon as we did that, the traffic really, really ramped up. Our capacity went up tenfold, so the attack went up tenfold, and they really started hitting us. Now, when that happened, the attack changed. They changed because now we weren't allowing them to run these password attempts. So the initial goal of the attack was no longer valid. And then it just switched to a straight up DDoS flood. Like now they were just trying to do the denial of service attack. And, and I say they, I don't know who they is, right? But mm -hmm. whoever is kind of sponsoring this attack. And so at this point, the traffic changed. And let me bring this up so I can show it to you guys. Um, now the traffic changed. We're still seeing a bunch of IPs. We're still seeing posts to the login page, but all the browser agents now became the same, okay? As soon as the attack ramped up to high speed, and I mean, we are talking thousands of requests per second at this point, like just a massive volume of data coming in, all of these are the same. I say all, you'll see a few outliers in there, which a lot of these are, are legitimate customers, right? Here's a customer who's running uh, Windows 10, apparently, or, you know, uh, well, Windows 10 there as well. Uh, so you know, you'll see variations. You'll see macOS pop up in there. But there's all of these other ones. And look at them. It's the browser agent ID for a Google Nexus 4 build LRX21T. Now, the Nexus 4, it, it's a good phone. It, yeah. 
it was a good phone <laughs> five years ago, right? It's a pretty old phone. Yeah. So this is likely uh, where they're running like miniature virtual machines that are running on compromised nodes to be able to reach out or just forging the browser agent, you know, they, either way, uh, to be able to throw that data out there. Uh, but it, it's almost guaranteed to be fake. Now, my apologies to any of our viewers who might have a Google Nexus 4, <laughs> but my first approach was to say, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to block any traffic with this browser agent. And fortunately, through our web application firewall, I could do that. I could say any traffic with a browser agent that contains Nexus 4 build LRX21T, drop it. Just cut it out, right? And the moment I did that, it was, I mean, it was like night and day. What you saw was, uh, here, let me kind of bring this up. Uh, so here's the map of traffic that was coming into our site. And then after I started blocking that browser agent, this is what it looked like. Anything red, that's something that we, we blocked that is not coming in. This is all that traffic with a bad browser agent. Now, remember how I said earlier, or Peter said it, that uh, at this time, Europe and Asia should be asleep? Notice how there's not a lot of green over in Europe, and there's no green in Asia. They're asleep, right? It, it makes sense. But in the U.S., we were awake. We get green lights there. This is, this is Sunday, midday by then. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep, so here in the in the eastern time zone, I think this would have been probably 7 or 8 p.m., somewhere uh, around that. Uh, no, it was earlier than that. It was probably more like 3 p.m. Mm -hmm. uh, on Sunday. So uh, so just a, a huge drop-off in that traffic, all right? But blocking the browser agent, that's really just a temporary thing because w what can the attacker do? All they do is change the browser agent by one letter, and all of a sudden my, my super protection fails. And, and we're obviously still finding out about those people coming. So are, is that any of that traffic still hitting our site, just not able to post to it, or, oh. or this is just happening at the at the firewall? Well, so and that's that's really the glory of, of using a service like, like Security, right? So the traffic technically isn't hitting us at this point, right? The traffic, if I go back to Security's diagram here, uh, the traffic goes to Security, it hits their firewall and it stops there before it even gets to our servers. So now we had these servers with ten times the capacity that you know <laughs> we're, we're running at two percent utilization. That's the fastest <laughs> so. our site has ever been. <laughs> Probably true. Yeah. <laughs> so, but at that point, the the attack was mitigated, but it really wasn't like a permanent solution, right? Because it was just based on the browser agent. You change browser agent and it doesn't work. So from there, uh, Security actually has a neat little feature that's called uh, a protected page. And with a protected page, what you can do is you can say, when somebody goes to the login page, they have to answer a CAPTCHA, right? And this CAPTCHA is not generated by your page, but it's generated by their servers. So we just set it so that, hey, if you went to our website, it was fine, you got it. But if you went to the login page, you got this right here. You got a CAPTCHA pop-up. And it would just give you the annoying two words. I know it's annoying. It would give you the annoying two words. You clear them. And once you've done that, the whole rest of the site operates like normal. And there you go. And once we did that, that was an effective solution to stop the distributed denial of service attack. But it's not technically stopped because even once that was in place, the attack traffic is still there, right? It's still coming in, right? And, and that's uh, kind of a, a Band-Aid to say, I mean, we don't want people to have to go through that extra step every time. That's not something in our user experience. So yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we've put a Band-Aid on it. We've stopped the bleeding and allowed users to still log in that have legitimate accounts, but... Right. We're not we're not done. But at this point, the distributed denial of service attack, that that cost an attacker time or money. A lot of these things are rented, right? So maybe somebody 
somebody didn't like my hair or they, they hated the way we spell IT Pro TV or, you know, something like that. And yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And, uh, and so they just they weren't happy with us. So they went and rented a botnet and pointed it at us. So it's costing them money. For every hour it runs, it costs them money. If they aren't renting it, if it's their own botnet, well, they're pointing at us and it's ineffective. They're not able to validate passwords anymore. It, it's useless. And so at that point, you just wait, right? We've, we've stopped it. And so you wait. And that was Sunday. So here we are. Uh, today's Tuesday, right? Tuesday afternoon. And yeah. uh, so it's been two and a half days. The attack was running strong all the way up until this morning. And then it started tapering off around 9, 10 a.m. or so. Uh, and by lunchtime today, the attack actually looks like this. And what you'll see is that there's not a ton of attacking nodes anymore. In fact, these little red arrows here are other attacks. So we're always being attacked. You know, every website is always being attacked. That's not a special IT Pro TV thing. If you have a website, you're being scanned. Um, so the DDoS is completely gone. Uh, and we didn't effectively do anything to the DDoS. We just stopped it from being effective. And so whoever is sponsoring that looks at it and says, why would I keep paying for this? Or why would I keep tying up my awesome botnet when I could point it at somebody else more effective? And that trims it off, and, and that's the end of it, okay? So that's what happened today. But yesterday, we had this, this Band-Aid in place, and it was stopping the DDoS, and I had a little bit of time, a little bit of time to, to do some research, right? So what, what better opportunity could we have to do research than when we are, you're currently under attack? So I started taking a look at some of these nodes to see what I could find, and, uh, and let me just... Let me, let me show you here uh, real quick. I think I've got where I did some Nmap scans. Uh, I have too many windows open on this computer. While you're, while you're bringing that up, I've got my, uh, my, my shirt here that I wore just for this. It <laughs> says, we're, uh, we're going to build a firewall and make the hackers pay for it. That's our, our yeah. IT Pro TV uh, fun there. But um, oh, to put it more accurately, yeah. we paid for a firewall and the hackers made us use it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so. Any of you in, uh, in the U.S. or with TV <laughs> uh, get the reference there, not being political, just having a little fun with it. But, uh, um, but, but yeah, so, so did you find what you Yes, I found what I was looking right. for. So here, let me show you guys. Here's an MMAP scan. I, I ended up scanning probably a good 20, 25 different nodes that were attacking us. Uh, so this is one of the nodes that was attacking us. And I ran an MMAP scan on it. And you'll see it had a number of open ports, right? Uh, it had SSH, which if I look at it here, at least it's got SSH, but at least it's got a TCP wrapper on it. So that means they can dictate which users are allowed to use SSH and which ones aren't. So it's at least restricted there. There's a little bit of security on this device. SMTP is on it, but it's not allowing me to connect. So that's good, right? Uh, but as I look down, it's running a web server on port 1080, right? Uh, it's got some kind of bandwidth test here. It's got SSH also running on port 2222. Never, never would have guessed that, right? It was, sometimes people change a port. Makes no difference here. And notice on port 2222, no TCP wrapper, right? So this SSH server is actually less secure than the one that was running up here. Up here, I couldn't even connect. See how it didn't get a version number? But down here, it, it let me connect and saw that it was running OpenSSH 7.4. So this is not a very well-secured device. And there's port 8291. I don't know what that is. And map didn't know what it was either, uh, and so that's kind of what what it came back with. And if I look at my straight up end map output here, I can see where it found those ports and where it was able to reach out and touch them and start to talk to them. Right. So, for example, when it pulled up the web server on 1080, it returned that it was a Samsung TechWin NVR web viewer. Right. NVR is short for Network Video Recorder. This is a security system, not. 
IT security, but physical security. So here's a, a business or a home that has uh, cameras mounted throughout the business, and they have a video recorder that records the video, and it's, well, that was redundant, but uh, then it's connected to the internet, so people can go anywhere and view these cameras, or not people, but the, the owners of it can view the cameras. Well, the device is not secured, and it's been broken into. Attackers have compromised this device. This is an IoT, an Internet of Things device, and it's been compromised, and now it's serving as an attack system. This device, this NVR, which uh, you know, I did actually pull up. Uh, let's see. I pulled up here. I pulled up the web page. Uh, this one was in Poland, so we've got, uh, or I, I think that's Polish, uh, but it was actually in Poland. Uh, and I can see that it's a SRN1673S NVR web viewer, right? So this is a, a Samsung uh, video recorder. And once I, I knew that, I started looking at the other nodes. And I'm telling you, it was it was packed full of storage appliances, lots of webcams, tons of webcams. Uh, there were firewalls, uh, like proxies that were set up. I found a few improperly set up CentOS servers where people had stood up a web server and not done anything. It was like a default config, so it was easy to pop open. Uh, these were just all poorly secured devices. And an attacker somewhere had compromised them and now was using them to, to point to us. Yeah, so the, the person that owns the security system isn't a hacker themselves. The chances are that they just didn't patch it and uh, and just have it out there and it's been compromised. But, but that's another reason why it's important as an owner of devices like this or anything connected to the Internet to make sure that uh, you are patching those things and keeping them up to date because at the end of the day, like I said, they're not they're not a hacker, but it's still costing them bandwidth, and they're they're taking bandwidth maybe away from something else, and they're paying for that uh, in a lot of cases, or maybe their devices are running slower. I mean, if you've got a firewall meant to protect you, and it's out there <laughs> committing attacks on its own, it's not taking those resources and doing what it's supposed to be doing. Yeah, and I, I think the the other lesson here is that you know not every device needs to be hooked up to the internet. You know, here's a video recorder that was hooked up to the internet, and I was able to access it, right? And I don't even know those people, so. You need to put IP restrictions on these things. If you have a firewall, only allow certain IPs to connect that device. Or better yet, don't allow anybody from the internet and have a VPN, right? I can VPN into the office and then view the video recorder. Like, you need to secure that. But the IoT manufacturers have tried to make things so easy, and they, they pay so little attention to security in a lot of cases, that any Joe Schmo can take a device, connect it, give it internet access, and now... It's, it's where it can be compromised, you know, and that's, that's a, a big problem. So uh, you, you mentioned earlier that we scaled up and that, that that might have come back to bite us because they were able to see that uh, increased uh, capacity and, and mm -hmm. take advantage of that. Um, so in retrospect, you wouldn't have done that maybe. What, anything else you, you learned that, that yeah. you maybe would have changed? Well, you know, on the, on the scale up thing, like that, that was when we were in the early stages and it was a bit of a knee jerk. It was, hey, our... Are we sure we're under attack? Maybe, maybe our database server just sucks. <laughs> Another technical term. Uh, so, so you know, maybe, maybe our infrastructure is not the way that it should be. So we were correcting that, and that's the problem. We take actions when we don't specifically know the cause, and and we were going two prong. I I was opting for faster solution as opposed to, to more accurate. Um, in this case, it, it was harmless. Uh, ultimately, right, we, we scale up our servers. Great. So when we realize we're wrong, we can always scale them back down, or honestly, we just kind of left them there because, uh, you know, you can always use the extra room. But, uh, uh, you know, that that's one area where uh, we could have looked at a little better. Um, another thing is the biggest mistake I think that, that we made in all of this uh, was the detection, right? So if you if you really boil it down, how do we detect that this was going on? 
our users, our, our visitors, our viewers, our customers, the people who pay us money, they're the ones who saw it. They saw it before we did, right? They submitted a ticket that said, hey, I can't log in. And, and that, that stinks. That's not the way that it should be. So we need better monitoring in place. Like we should have noticed we're getting way more traffic than normal, right? We should have had monitoring in for that. When the database was getting overwhelmed, we should have received a notification saying, hey, CPU utilization or network bandwidth or whatever is way higher than normal, right? That things were not operating the way they should. Uh, and we didn't do that, right? So we did something that, that I, I personally hate, which is using your, your customer as the monitoring solutions. That, that's not good. And that, that, I think, is the biggest mistake we made. But after that, we were fortunate that we already had the tools in place to solve the problem, right? Our, our servers were deployed in a, a cloud formation that was easy to scale up. Our web application firewall was already in place. We just had to tune it a bit. Like, those things were already there. Imagine if we didn't have those. If we didn't have, if we were using physical servers, scaling up would have been really hard, or even scaling out. Uh, if we didn't have a web application firewall, redirecting people to pass to a firewall like that would have been really hard to do last minute. So uh, a lot of that stuff worked out really well because we already had put that thought into our design. That's, you know, security by design is really essential. Yeah, and I think it's safe to assume, you know, it, it's going to happen again at some point, and uh, th that's just the way the way it works mm -hmm. now. And, and we're in that big boys club now, uh, yeah. you know, with with your Xboxes and your, your Apples and whatnot. So I would have foregone that honor given the choice. <laughs> <laughs> but but we learned something from it and we can and we can put that forward and next time, you know, maybe it doesn't ruin yeah. the the weekends of, of ten employees and, and we're uh, we're able to scale those things up quicker and, and get those in place. Uh, I did I did have one question too. I, I mean it, it seems like kind of a uh, a knee-jerk reaction from a lot of, uh, you know, masculine people. I've, there's a little bit of that in me. Um, uh, would be to, uh, you know, when you get that ransom note, to come back and be like Liam Neeson and take in and, and say, <laughs> you know, I'm coming for you, basically, if you don't stop this. But is there is there any benefit to attacking back? Because Not really. I mean, you, know, you don't know who you're attacking, really. Yeah, and, you know, so here's the, the way that this landscape works, right? So um, we saw where these are IoT devices. So it's not like there is an attacker somewhere. Like somebody mm -hmm. triggered this, and they have a command and control or a 2C server somewhere, right? And I don't know why they, they say a 2C, because that takes as much effort as saying a CC. But uh, <laughs> a C and C or whatever, uh, a command and control server. And that command and control server was talking to all these IoT nodes and pointing them at us, right? So if I broke into one of those IoT nodes, I could have found the CNC, right? But first off, I'd be breaking into somebody's device, which is illegal. So I, I'm not allowed to do that. Uh, but even if I did, maybe I'd take out the CNC. I still don't know who is running it, right? So it'd be really hard for me to track that. And technically what you can do is two things, right? One you can contact the Department of Justice. They have a cyber crime unit. They have the resources. They can pull warrants. They can go and they can track all this stuff back. But it takes a lot of time. And these attacks only last a couple of days. So the Department of Justice can't act fast enough to gather this you know, information and solve it. And so that's where you go with option two, which is you stop the attack. After a day or two, it abates and goes away. And then you just move on with your life. And unfortunately, the attacker gets away scot-free, and they're off targeting some other site until they find somebody who isn't prepared, right? We were prepared, at least for this attack. We, we might not be prepared for the next one. And, and then, you know, you're in a real situation. We, you can't reach out to the DOJ and have them take two months, and meanwhile, your site's just down for two months. Mm -hmm. you, can't, you can't do that in, in an online world. So a lot of times these attackers get away, and, and that's, that's a big problem. Well, is there, is there a benefit then or, or even a responsibility to since, since we have these logs to still – provide that information to them? Does it, I mean, could that help them moving forward and 
uh, maybe there's a, a bigger picture here or maybe uh, you know it, it, it's kind of tough on this one I, yeah. the, there's so many of these attacks that are going on and usually the uh, cybercrime divisions are focused on the more targeted attacks i don't i don't think this attack targeted us right we're yeah. we're a fairly small company we you know there are players in the it training market that are way bigger than us uh, you know, I, I don't feel like we were trying. I think it's just a happenstance. Yeah. And they're probably moving site to site to site. Yeah, they're seeing who who they can post data to on their form. Yeah. And they find one. They see, are we getting responses back? Is this actually working? And no, it's not. Okay, we'll move on. Yep. Uh, versus attacks like the Target attack mm-hmm. or uh, Equifax, where those are very specific. Like they wanted to get Target's credit card data, and that's where the cybercrime division really gets active because they, you know they they want to to target those people and uh, no pun intended and. Um, you know, find them and bring them to, to justice. In our case, I don't know, it's almost the equivalent of somebody toilet papering your trees in yeah. your yard. Yeah, we don't, I mean, our damages are uh, the time that people spent this weekend, and then yeah. I, mean, I assume there were some costs it, in ramping up the, the It cost space, us money. But, yeah, it, it cost yeah. us money. The, the, you know, there's bandwidth that we pay for, there's the, the database cycles, because we pay for that in CPU cycles, so there's yeah. a lot of stuff there. Uh, it, it certainly cost us money. Not, not a ton of money, yeah. but, but it did. Uh, but in an internet business like ours, you kind of just work that in as a cost of doing business. But if you were a, a church or a dentist office or something, you don't have a cybersecurity budget. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's it's much more devastating for them. Uh, but I, I wanted to make sure we did a podcast like this because a lot of companies have this happen and they don't talk about it, right? They're embarrassed. They don't want to they don't want the people to know that they, they were attacked, uh, especially if their their data got compromised. We we were lucky, you know, ours isn't a data compromise, right? So none of none of our data was was uh, exposed. But I think it's important to let people know the details. So they can learn from it too. I'd, I'd rather you guys learn from what we went through than having to learn yourself. And, and hopefully, you know, you see w- what I did here to identify this traffic, and you can recreate that if you're ever in the same situation. Yeah, to, to be able to to see the things that we did and say, hey, I, I was thinking about setting one of those up. Maybe now's a good time to do that. Yeah. So, like like you said, if we didn't have you know some of those steps in place, it would have been a lot more difficult um, when yeah. the time came. So definitely. And then I. I'm not even the main security guy here, right? Like we, we've got other people that are the security specialists, like Adam Gordon. He knows volumes more than me. He's the guy who wrote that book on my bookshelf. Uh, and I just happen to be the guy who was available at the time. <laughs> you don't wake Adam Gordon That's right. on a Saturday night. And uh, well, he he's he was in um, oh, he's, Singapore yeah, he's, or somewhere. Where so was this he? could have been yeah. him, is what you're saying? You no, know, I didn't think about Let's, that. Yeah. <laughs> check out. Look into that. So um, uh, so. In this case, if you look, I, it didn't take a rocket scientist. I, I am not a, a brilliant security person. I am a mediocre security person. But when you see the data, the patterns are there. You can spot them. The attackers don't have to hide themselves very much because they, they, there's not really a great way to catch them. So if you just you know take a look at the information, you can usually reason this stuff out and, and then figure it out if you take your time. Yeah. Well, that's a great time to remind you to... Uh, to come over to IT Pro TV and, and watch mediocre security content from Dom <laughs> Bazette and uh, and the other uh, hosts here. No, like great you said, content you, from the other yeah, hosts. <laughs> you, you don't do a lot of the security stuff. That's fair, but uh, I think you've got uh, a little little better understanding than you're giving yourself credit. And and you know I think it's interesting because normally uh, we mentioned on Monday morning that you know we're kind of making jokes and laughing about it, and you wouldn't see that normally. But as an IT company, this was kind of a, a you know, it, uh, interesting exercise for us to be able to test out our, our skills and, and see. And, and, you know, it. I think, like you said, it, it's it's not something a lot of people talk about. But, you know, for us, it's, it's kind of a little badge of honor now that not only, hey, we were big enough to be attacked, but, you know, we got through it and, and we got through it just fine. And so, um, you know, we can kind of check that off as something we've 
not just taught now, but done in the real world. So um, definitely uh, appreciate you kind of taking us through that and sharing that. And I and I, I know some of you might have some questions. You know, feel free to reach out to us uh, on our website through our our chat and, and social media, and uh, let us know any of those, and we'll be we'll be glad to answer any of those and um, get into more detail for for those of you that want to. But I think that's about going to do it for this podcast. Uh, definitely. Uh, Go to go to iTunes. Go to uh, tune in. Go to all those different places and uh, rate the podcast if you liked what you saw. That's what helps us uh, kind of move up in those rankings there and, and get exposed to new people. So rate those, share them with your friends. Really appreciate that. And be sure to tune in uh, to our next podcast, which coming which will be coming out very soon. But for now, we're going to go ahead and sign off. So thanks again, Don, for for joining us, and we'll see you next time. 